0: the talking jack presented by c i'm your host bobby skinner here by myself because justin he's at a nascar race he decided nascar is more important than the podcast no it got, it got rained out so he's on monday we were having entertainer on on anyways uh so it's just gonna be me and entertainer rapping for about uh 40 minutes 40 to 45 minutes on the show and we i thought it was pretty cool at the end we talked about like how entertainer scaled back his content got a different you know not making it his full-time job i thought we, we had some like fun conversations about it and then Obviously talking about like the Giants offseason and, and stuff. We, we got really hyped about like Brian Dable, like compared him to some people. Probably got a little too early pre- prepared, too early comparisons uh, for Brian Campbell. But we got really Brian Dable being solo just throws me off. Uh, so it, it was really good. So I won't delay it any longer. Um, here is Chris the Entertainer. How are you doing, man? I haven't I haven't talked for a while. The, this this type of the off, part of the offseason for us is like, you know how consuming the draft can be and free agency yeah. kicks right into it, where it's like, all right, now I get to check in with all our friends and, and see how they're doing, how they're feeling about everything, because we've been lost in our own little world for like almost two months.
1: Yeah, I actually think we did this same thing last year, right around the same time, when it was like kind of the 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 dead time of the offseason after the draft before training camp starts up, you got the OTAs, but there's not much to take out of that unless you get like firsthand experience. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to come on here, talk Giants football with you and really excited about this upcoming season. I think, I think the Giants knocked it out of the park and I'm, I'm excited to talk about, you know, what they've done so far in this off season, what you think, but um, yeah, excited to come on, excited to have you guys on, hopefully as the season gets closer.
0: Yeah. I mean, they're, they're expected to win games this year and rightfully so. Um, I you know, I still don't think we're a Super Bowl contender. I you yeah. know, I don't think we are a contender with the Eagles right now. And I don't think there's very many teams in the NFL that are. But yeah, like we're expected to win games this year, where you know, last year, if you predicted the Giants being nine and eight, you were being a homer. This year, if you predict nine and eight, people will be like, ah a little little too negative for me, um, which is a good place to be. I'm excited to be in that in that zone of like, I, right, time to win games. And we, we've had some guests on lately, and we've we've been able to use clickbait because they give it. You got any any insider info, like just even insider if, info? Um, like entertainer to, reveals the Giants' plan at backup left guard.
1: <laughs> I guess like my only insider info comes from Patty every now and again. She'll you know, and I'm sure you have that too. I think you talk to Art and stuff, but uh, you, once in a while she'll throw me like a bone, and she'll be like, yeah, you know in so many words, expect this, but yeah, I've kind of, I've taken my social media break for about a month now and I'll probably get active on Twitter and YouTube again in about like two or three weeks as the off season yeah. gets closer. But I, I kind of like to just, you know, get away from social media for about six weeks, every off season, or at least I started that trend last year where, cause there's not much to talk about. I don't want to force it. I don't want it to be redundant. I don't want to talk about the same talking points. Um, but yeah, no real insider info. Um, what I'm excited about is, is the battles in camp. And I, I think the position group for me that I'm most excited about is wide receiver. Cause I think it's really deep and I think there'll be a lot of competition there, but obviously I'm, you know, the one-on-one battles. You want to see how JMS does against Dexter. You want to see how Deontay banks does against Jalen Hyatt and some of the wide receivers. So that's what I'm really excited about. But in terms of rumors, I know like people are talking about like Deandre Hopkins. Now I don't see it happening. I don't think we have the cap space for it. Um, but yeah, I haven't heard any inside insider information. I did hear things, you know, throughout the process. Like I knew all along Daniel Jones was going to be coming back. It was just a matter of what the contract was going to be or whether or not they were going to have to tag him. But as of late, I'm haven't heard much. I'm just sitting back, relaxing, getting ready for the uh, the upcoming year.
0: Entertainer reveals the Giants' interest to go at or or, or out on DeAndre Hopkins. That'll be the title for this show. <laughs> uh, you you mentioned you mentioned the thing you're most looking forward to, and that's one of my questions on on the list. Week one, let's pretend that Wanda – like, everyone's healthy within reason. Like, Wanda does right. come back from the ACL, may not be perfect, but he's healthy and he's active. Sterling Shepard, we know he has the injury history, but, like, he's everyone's active for week one for that wide receiver group. Yeah. Who are you lining – who are you running out there with the first group or three? Because we know they're going to rotate and stuff, but being yeah. a starter matters. Who is running out there with that, that first snap of the season if everyone is able to be somewhat healthy?
1: It's a guessing game right now, but I will give you my guess. But it's a guessing game right now. I think last year shows you that more than anything that Brian Dable definitely takes training camp highly, you know, he he takes that as a factor for sure. Cause last year, David Sills and Colin Johnson were gonna be starters for this team. Had Colin Johnson not gotten hurt coming out of camp. And that's when Kenny Galladay was healthy. That's when uh Kadarius Tony, from what we what we think was healthy, he's gonna take the guys that he feel do the best job in camp and fit his offense. So it's a guessing game. It's really deep. But if I had to guess, Um, I think Slayton is going to be a starter to start the year, at least. I could see him getting replaced as the year progresses. Like, I think Jalen Hyatt is a similar type of wide receiver. And as Hyatt progresses, I could see him overtaking that role maybe midseason. But I think to start the year, Slayton will probably be part of the starting rotation. Um, I think Paris Campbell is going to be part of the starting rotation. I think a lot of people are kind of sleeping on him. Like, every time I've brought him up on Twitter, I feel like people downplay what his significance in this offense is going to be this year. I think he's going to have a pretty big role. I I think he fits the offense really well. He's versatile. You could play him on both the inside and out. He has ties to our wide receiver coach. So I think they saw something in him that they liked. And it's a one-year deal because of his injury history. But I would guess he's part of the starting rotation. And I would say Wandell. I I think those three uh, going in, if Wandell's healthy, in the hypothetical scenario that you said, I, I think those would be the three guys. And Hyatt would probably be the four.
0: So you have Paris Campbell playing on the outside, which I think is I, I,
1: Bo, I think he's they're going to move him around, but yeah, I think he could play both
0: inside and out. Well, yeah, but I mean, if if, if we're going week one and Juan Dale's part of that right. group, that means they're going to use him primary, like obviously, like you said, inside outside flexibility. That's what a lot of guys on this team have. You know, it's what Hy- even Hodgins at six foot four has inside. The only two that don't are Slayton, who's outside only, and Juan Dale, who's slot only. Um, what they do with Paris Campbell, I think, is one of the more low-key interesting things to see develop through training camp, whether it's talking about playing time or like we're talking about outside in. Because there's an argument to be made that like he's more effective as an outside wide receiver. People will bring up this past season and be like, well, he played mostly in the slot, had his best year. That was solely due to health. Like he really, he's not amazing at the down and down out slots stuff. Where you see his best plays are on the outside. Like happened against us. Coaching.
1: Remember the game? He had the big sixty yard catch or whatever it was.
0: Exactly. So there's. It's, it'll be interesting to see what their vision is for him. And I know because he's a slot guy, you view him as short, but he's not short. You know, he's six foot, six foot one. You know, he's not tall, but he's not. He's not you know a Juan Dale five nine. Like he's taller than Sterling Shepard, who's played a lot on the outside, um, and a lot of other guys who have played on the outside in the NFL. So where Paris Campbell plays to me is going to be one of the more intriguing things and how much he plays, right? Because they drafted Wandale, a slot guy in the second round. You have on the outside, Darius Slayton, who you just paid. Like you just paid him a good amount of more money than you did Paris Campbell, Isaiah Hodgins, who we know they really like. And then Jalen. I
1: I should have thrown Hodges in there. Hodges is going to, Hodges is probably part of that three too. It's, I think it's going to be more like a four, (laughs) but yeah, Hodges is definitely going to be part of the rotation as well. I think high at the start, unless he has an unbelievable camp is probably going to see limited reps to start the year. I think he's going to have to earn his reps as the year goes along.
0: Well, that's why, like you said, it's the most fascinating position on the team right now, because you can, you can put together 20 different combinations. Right, yeah. and you can make an argument. I, I can make a. I can make a, a good argument for every single different combination of a wide receiver, every single one that includes Slayton, Hodgins, and Wandale, Campbell, Hyatt, and even Shepard. Like I can make the argument that Shepard, if he comes back healthy and he's the same player that he was last year coming off injury, he should be a starter on this team. So it's it's just such an intriguing group that I, I think I land up Slayton. He's been my. He's the most consistent. Has that, that speed on the outside. And then I'm gonna say Hodgins and Campbell. You know, I, I I want to ease Wandale back in a little bit. Um, you know, I think Yeah, I, I think in
1: reality that's probably what it's going to be because I don't I my guess would be Wandell's not going to be one hundred percent.
0: Yeah, that's true. A, that, that's fair, fair.
1: Yeah, but I was doing it on the hypothetical scenario where Wandell was like one hundred percent healthy, they were completely confident using him in this, the capacity that they want to use him, but in reality, I don't think he will be. Um so I agree. I think that will be the three that you said to start the year.
0: And that'd be, you know, if we could get a truthful answer from them and they shouldn't answer this truthfully, but if you could ask them like, Hey, if Juan Dale was fully healthy, where does he slate into this offense? Like, do they view these other guys as, as better pieces than him? Or are they still like, Hey, this is our, this was the first set. This was the third pick ever taken by this regime, you know, in in the first second round pick. And we know how valuable second round picks are and can be, um, so, yeah, it's just the wide receiver room is so fascinating. And Juan Dale is really the only one that's here. That's or actually, I guess, Janet Hyatt now, but Juan Hi, Dale and yeah. Hyatt are the only ones that are here, you know, that are locked up long term. Um, so, so pretty interesting to see how that works. It's the, d- receiver it's group the does. deepest group.
1: It, it, it's, it's, we're not, I wouldn't say we're top, we're definitely not top heavy. Like, we don't have a one, but it's our, as crazy as it is, as weak of a position group as it was last year, they've made it, in my opinion, our deepest positional group probably on the entire team. Like that or the defensive line. The defensive line is pretty deep too.
0: Yeah, I mean, you have guys like Colin Johnson, Jamison Crowder who could end up being cut. Now, the unfortunate part of this conversation that you always have to bring up is that injury is probably going to answer a lot of these questions for us. Yeah. um, As it usually seems to go with the New York Giants and especially the wide receiver position. But right now, while they're all healthy, it's interesting. And then this move has gotten, like Justin had a tweet about the other day and it's like, damn, I hate that. I feel the same freaking way that sometimes forget we traded for Darren freaking Waller. Like Darren Waller is go like Darren Waller is the only, the only risk with him is will he be able to play suit up on Sundays? There is no worry about, is he the same player he once was? Go watch the games towards the end of the season where the Raiders were playing for nothing, coming back, playing for a coach. He did not like in Josh McDaniels, rightfully so that guy sucks. Yeah. And he's still <laughs> a star. He is still a star. He is still, I'm going to be your best player when you line up uh, on, on the field. And I, that moves like totally gotten forgotten. And it's like, we talk about the wide receiver group and not having one, like Darren Waller is a true. He's our one. He's our one. He, yeah. He truly is like, yeah. the, and we talk about like any of those wide receivers get injured for a few games. It's okay. Next man up. Right. Like, cause you said it's deep Darren Waller, man, it's, even though we have a good backup in Daniel Bellinger, it's like we need him to be healthy because he is the difference maker. He is what can change yeah. this offense. I mean, the guy missed over half the games last year, and he led all tight ends in 20-plus uh yard catches, right? Darren Creating Waller, to me, Bobby, I
1: didn't mean to cut you off. Darren Waller, no, to me, on. Bobby, is what we wanted Evan Ingram to be. Like, he's the he's the better version of Evan Ingram. Like, he's the... He's the ver, and he's a, he's a much better blocker than Ingram was as well. But he's he's a versatile weapon that's kind of a mismatch nightmare. Um, and he, yeah, I think he opens up this entire offense. Now, what I like and I a, a true number one wide receiver to go along with it. Yes, I think that would make this offense like reach another level. But Darren Waller is certainly a number one option. He's a credible number one. Op- like I could see him being what Kelsey is for the Kansas city chiefs for this offense. Like he could be a guy that you feature for over a thousand yards and eight or nine touchdowns. He's proven that in the past. It's just health. Like you said. Um, and it's the same thing with Paris Campbell. It's health. Those guys have to stay healthy, but I think they have a clear plan for every guy that they brought in. Um, and I'm excited. And, and if you would have told me going into year two, just based off of Brian Dable's history as a coach and the way that Buffalo built their offense, that we would, construct an offense in the way that we did, I would have said no way. Like featuring a tight end. um, But to me, it just speaks to Dable and he doesn't care. He's, he's not a guy I've actually frequently compared to. I know you're a basketball guy. I've frequently compared him as like the opposite of what Mike D'Antoni was for the Knicks. Like Mike D'Antoni came into the Knicks. And he tried to fit his system with the Phoenix Suns, with the New York Knicks. Like he tried to make Carmelo Anthony like a point guard when he first took over the job because he didn't have his Steve Nash. Table's like, whatever, just give me players and I'm going to work my talent. I'm going to work my system around the talent that I have. And I think that's a great sign of a good coach. But I would I'm shocked, you know, if you would have told me two years ago that our biggest weapon would be our tight end. But here we are. And I'm excited about it because I saw. I saw the ability of this offensive coaching staff to work around the talent that they had, and you think about the mismatches they could create now with all of these players. Yeah, we don't have a number one, but listen, this guy Waller, he's a mismatch nightmare. Like, you think about linebackers trying to cover this guy, Barkley coming out of the backfield, if he's back with the team, which I think he will be, just a matter of whether or not he's going to play on the tag, he's a mismatch. You think about that, all of a sudden, what that does for guys like Slayton on the outside, now that they don't have as much attention as they did last year, Campbell's versatility, Wandell's versatility. The Giants have a lot of options now in this offense.
0: Yeah, it's and if Evan Neal can become good, like it makes oh, all the more. He's the key. All these He's the key. He, he really is the key to this Giants offense. You know, just, you know besides the fact of health, is can Evan Neal stay good? Yeah, and that point you made about Brian Dable of like being able, that's hard to find in the NFL. It really yeah. is to be able to find guys that are able to just like. I mean, they—you saw what they tried to do at training camp, right? It was not the same offense they ran throughout the season. Like they—they they scrapped what they were running in training camp and changed what they did, and that's really—and that's really hard for a coach to do. That's really for, hard for a coach to do in his first season with two with a guy at that time who they didn't think was going to be their quarterback in Daniel Definitely not, right? Yeah. Um, and and I mean, it's why Bill Belichick—I know the last couple of years have been a little wonky. Um, done a lot of weird personnel stuff with coaching and, and stuff. But that's why Belichick's like – those offenses and defenses always change to what their personnel is, right? When – like like it would always drive me a little nuts when people say Brady's a system QB. It's like the system's been – there's been like 18 different freaking systems. Their systems are based on what their players are. It's true. Are. Like yeah. if it was Randy Moss. We're throwing over the top. We're using Dion Branch. Great, we'll make that work. <laughs> that's a great
1: point because you're absolutely right. There was never – The Patriot that I think Belichick's biggest strength was that the Patriots were always ahead of the curve on everybody else. Like they were really the first team that really featured the slot wide receiver as heavily as they did with Wes Welker. They were kind of the first team that used that heavy, two tight end set in the passing game. They were really the first team that heavily utilized the running back by committee approach. Like Belichick was always ahead of the curve and they never had like one system. He kind of, Dable's similar in that sense. I feel like where, not that I'm comparing him to the greatest coach of all time, but he's similar in that sense where he's like, uh, yeah, I, I don't have a specific type of system. I'm going to, I'm going to see what I have on my team and, you know, orchestrate the offense to the strengths of the players on the offense.
0: Yeah. And, and so I, I, that's why, I, that's what gets me more excited about Brian table. Yeah. And it's one of the main reasons I wanted an offensive head coach last year. Now, if you can get a guy like Skyle Shannon, who has his scheme and, and mastered yeah. it, that's awesome to do. But With you know the way the Giants' personnel is right now, like I love having like that's that to me is Brian Dable. That nothing impressed me more from Brian Dable, not freaking getting loud on the sideline or whatever, whatever these things that coaches do that make us fall in love with them. The thing I was most impressed with was the fact that they were able to change their offense throughout the season, you know. And and I remember after the Washington tie, and me and jess were calling out like they are. This stuff worked two weeks ago. It's not working anymore. It's been figured out. They're not, they're playing the run on first down. They're not falling for any play action anymore. And then they changed the drop back. And then we saw the offense start to flourish again. Um, when they use that drop back quick game, which is again, we didn't see any of that in training camp. We didn't see a lot of that. We didn't see very much drop back passing um in the first 10 games of the year, where it was like almost all play action stuff. So, um, so, so some some really cool stuff out of them. I'm excited to see how they use all these pieces. You know, Waller and Saquon being your best players, and then uh, a wide receiver group that has has talent. You know, not a superstar, not a number one, not a guy who's changing your offense, but does have uh, have talent. And there's how they can develop a guy like yeah. Jalen Hyatt. Yeah,
1: yeah. There's definitely playmakers in this offense now, and they're and they're all they all have different. Skill sets. You know what I'm saying? Like Wondell is a completely different type of wide receiver than a guy like a Jalen Hyatt or a Darius Slayton. Um, Same thing with Hodgins. He's kind of unique to, to, to some of the other wide receivers in terms of his specific skill set. So they all have different strengths. And I'm really excited to see what they could do with this offense. Because you think what they were able to do last year, you talked about how they evolved as an offense from the first half to the second half. Look what they were able to do in the red zone. Like we had like a top five red zone offense last year. The problem was we could never get into the red zone. But now that you have the pieces and you think about Mike Kafka's creativity, uh, I think this offense could take a big leap. And they took a big leap last year. I feel like a lot of people slept on that. They went from 32 in the league to like an average offense. I think they were 15th in
0: scoring 15th in
1: scoring 17th in yards. So dead center, right? I think they could take as big of a leap this year as they did last year. Not to say that they're going to jump because that would mean they're the number one offense in the league, but I could see them jumping from like 16 to like nine or eight or nine, like being like a back end top 10 offense,
0: which is huge. If Evan Neal is at least average to me, a top 10 scoring offense should be the expectation. Now, again, that's not if Darren Waller gets hurt and Saquon and Daniel Jones misses four games, but as long as we're relatively healthy, you just paid Daniel Jones. You just went out and traded Darren Waller. And if Evan Neal can be just even at just average, I think the expectation has to be a top, a, probably right at ten, ninth or tenth in scoring. Yeah. But with what those coaches are like, I think it's a lot of pressure on on them to to do that, and hopefully they do. How excited are you for
1: Daniel Jones this year?
0: Um, I think this will be the first time where it's just like, man, he's got advantages, right? Yeah. Like that's what we thought we were getting in Kenny Galladay. Um, and advantages like truly in the receiving game. Like Saquon Barkley obviously helps, yeah. but he doesn't like change the passing game, right? Where a guy like Darren Waller changes the passing game. Like where Saquon's good out like as a threat as a receiver, Saquon's not a great receiver, right? Like that was something I remember. I think you were at those some of those train cramp practices where they were actually trying him out, lining yep. about wide, and it's just like he's just not a good route runner, right? And it's kind of screwing up the progressions a little bit. Um and we even saw that first interception versus the Titans. Now that was totally on Daniel Jones, but it started with a, a just like kind of a weirdly bad route by Saquon. Um, but, Saqu- but Saquon being the threat out of the bat. what was even the question? Oh, it's just—I I am excited for him. You know what? Yeah. And, if, and if if this team can stay relatively healthy, like he, you have to perform. You know, and he did really well last year, earned his contract. Um, so yeah, I'm excited about him. I mean, it's been four years of like you have like. Been like dragging the team through hell, and now it's like, okay, hey, we got you, Dan Waller. You got you got some decent wide receiver group. You got a good coaching staff. Like you got advantages. Like one of the arguments that always frustrated me in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one was like, well, does Daniel Jones need everything to be perfect around him to be successful? I was like, no, but can we get at least one element? Can we get one? Because we have yeah, give him, give him something. Give him. We got horrible offensive line. <laughs> yeah. We've got yeah. a horrible. You know, it was like. The best we saw Jones under Garrett was that little stretch, like the Saints game when you had Galdi was actually playing pretty well. Tony yeah. was coming onto the scene, and I was like, "We're kind of, we're doing, we're dealing." He's got one and a half. Like, yeah, left guard through right tackle is trash, but he's got a good left tackle. That's the most important thing for him. Right. He's got a horrible coaching staff, but he's got a decent wide receiver group at the time, and it's like he's playing really well. So just give us like, give him like one and a half. And last year he had that one in the coaching staff bad offensive line outside of Thomas and then, uh, you know, a bad receiving group got better towards the end of the year. Once you added Hodgins into the mix a little bit, but still like, nah, no, one's... still
1: well below average. And then, and and, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, and and now I think the most important thing for Jones for me this year and why I do think he's finally going to take that leap. Um, And when I say leap, I, I don't know how big the leap is going to be. I'm not saying he's going to be Pat Mahomes, but I think he's going to be here. Here's my take on Daniel Jones this year. And and the biggest reason why I think he takes a leap, where my point was going to be, is that he's year two in the same offense in, in an offense that actually knows what they're doing. Something that he has not had since he's been in the NFL. He wasn't afforded that luxury because they fired Pat Shermer. I think he would have progressed a lot more than he did had Shermer stayed as the coach. And we've talked mm-hmm. about that in the past. Um, and I think there's a yeah. much better op- offensive coaching staff than Shermer, by the way.
0: I kind of, I actually kind of hate the word leap talking about Jones because I think yeah. it discounts what he did last year. But yeah, he played well. Yeah, that's fair. Year. That's fair. Uh, it's I want to see growth. You know, growth, for me, it's a better the, word.
1: Growth's a better word.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's just it's, it's nitpicky of me because it's like when I see like people are like saying he's going to take everyone's like you know social media. Yeah, it's like this is year five and we're talking about the leap. It's like no, he played well last year. He played well, well last, last year. Was certainly a leap. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think know, more I, I, of a I, here's
1: my take on Jones this year, Bobby. I think by year's end, because I think when we talk and when I talk to other like giants content creators, for the most part, not all of them. There's still some that are definitely anti-Jones. But I think most Giants fans and certainly content creators that I respect for the most part view him as at least a fringe top 10 quarterback in the league, not top 10, but like between 12 and 15 ish. I think that's where we're all kind of settled in where he is right now. I think by year's end, the leap for him is going to be he's viewed that way by NFL fans. I think outside NFL fans by year's end are going to view him as a fringe top 10 quarterback.
0: Yeah, I think that's the, that should be the expectation, right? With yeah. when you pay him that money, that should be the expectation to be like a a top 10 quarterback. Um where I want to see growth is one creating more explosive plays. Now, they didn't really put those on the menu for him last year. It's not like he, he wasn't passing them up last year, even though they were, you know, they, but they they just weren't on the menu for him. Those are going to be on the menu to take. And then the one thing that really bothered me about Jones's game last year was and this is like like you got to watch film review, stuff like that. Like yeah. they would run these like high-low plays, and they would have like a hole on the sideline. Like the wide receivers there in a hole. There's a safety above them, a corner underneath them. But that's a throw that Jones can make. He can mm-hmm. make that. He can make it nine times out of ten. And he just didn't pull a trigger on those. Now that we have some weapons and there's going to be more, you know, aggression. I want him taking those shots because he ran like last year he played. You know, you go through those games, stuff film wise. Like you go, and I go through all of them. Most of those games, you'd go through them. Like, man, you can be a little nitpicky about some stuff, but yeah. these are damn near flawless games. There's one or two plays here or there, but like you watch other quarterbacks, even quarterbacks who have a great game, you're gonna find five plays. They're just, hey, you made the wrong read here. Jones rarely did that, but when he did, it wasn't even like he would complete the passes. But it's like, man, you left. You left yards you on left the field. You left yards yeah, on the field. Yeah. I, I view like you know the double movers to Seahawks and then those hole shots were more consistently. He really wasn't like passing up 20 plus yard throws. There was a couple, but he really wasn't passing those up. Those sideline hole shots. Those are Here, those Here's my are theory on that many. Bobby.
1: Here's my theory on that Bobby and why I think there were certainly some plays like people would point out you know, you you see all the Twitter GMs. Not saying you, but like a lot of people that attempt to do film breakdowns, and they'd always point, "Oh, he left this play in the field. He left that play in the field. He left this play in the field." And I'd be like, "Okay, but one, we don't know what they're instilling in, in him. You know, in terms of the coaching staff week to week, what the game plan is. I think Jones and the coaching staff saw how limited of an offense that this was, and how limited of a defense that this was. For you know, to to take it even further, because we did not have a lot of talent on defense last year after all the injuries that we sustained, and realized that this was a team that could not afford to make mistakes. So to me, this year, it's going to be different. I think they're going to encourage him. They're going to say, listen, you can throw a few more picks. We can overcome mistakes. It's worth it to try to hit that big play. But last year, I think it was instilled in him that basically, listen, don't make mistakes. Get the ball inside the twenty, and then we're going to rely on Kafka to get the ball in the end zone because we have a great offensive coaching staff. But we don't have those playmakers. We got guys dropping footballs, and if we turn the ball over even once in a game, we're going to lose because yeah. our defense isn't very good. So especially no, after McKinney I, went down and everything else.
0: I agree with that. Like not, I agree with that. Like ninety-eight percent, because like if you bring up like oh, his low average depth of target, that was the way the offense was built, and that's why I said like yeah. the twenty-plus yard throws. Like the fact that we didn't throw those, those don't it bothers me that those didn't happen cuz i want them to happen but again jones wasn't passing those up those were just not on the menu for him exactly last year yeah. to throw. but there was just there and there begins just there be like two throws a game not a game but in some game, like maybe five no, or six No i, I games saw were. the throws on, on the i know what soccer. you're talking about yeah i just want to see the willingness to throw those that's all i want to see I, yeah. my, that's my only concern is that after two years of garrett in the offense last year that hopefully we don't have a knack natu- We went, we went from a guy who was a little over aggressive to a guy who might might be just inherently conservative as a quarterback. Too
1: much like uh, Alex Smith.
0: Yeah, like hopefully we haven't reached that point. Like, again, I'm not, like you said, we're not expecting gunslinger Jones out there, but we want to see more aggression than what we did with now that we have these new players, hopefully some development out of Ebony. Dude, we've, we've went 25 minutes and I think we haven't talked about the thing that probably made us the most happy. Because I know you and I know me. How did we get freaking John Michael Smith's, the best center in this draft at 57? Dude, I'm telling you, that pick me, and maybe the offensive line bias in me, but I was just like, that was my prayer. When we got out of round one, John Michael Smith is still available. And I'm like, just get me John Michael Smith yeah. somehow, some way. Don't be cute and take the guy who's two years younger and more athletic and Joe Titman. Get me John Michael Smith's. And they didn't have to make, they didn't have to trade up, they didn't have to do anything.
1: Bobby I mean I I said it on Twitter like a week before the draft I said my dream scenario was because in the realistic world of dream scenarios because I viewed like there was like four or five guys we could potentially take in the first round and Deontay Banks was the guy that I thought fit the defense incredibly well I know you were kind you you liked the Banks pick you didn't love it um but Banks to me I felt like he fit the, the defense really well um and I felt like his upside was as high as Probably any corner in this draft or right up there. Porter's up there. Too oh, yeah. Because yeah. Porter's got the length. He's six four, the long arms. Gonzalez has all the measurables. I remember when I did a video on it. Gonzalez kind of, he he's like the prototypical, like with the size, the speed, the combine performance. But for me, when I saw Deontay Banks, four he's got, I'm not going to say super long arms, pretty long arms. He's physical. He fits the defense incredibly well. He's who I wanted with our pick in the the world of reality. Like, I prefer that over going the wide receiver. Um, And then, like you said, once JMS got to the second round, I said, if this guy ever drops to us, we have to take him. I would have been completely fine taking him in the first round. It wasn't my dream scenario because I do think it would have been viewed as a slight reach, even though I wouldn't have cried about it. I would have been like, listen, if JMS turns out to even be an average center for the next 10 years, he's worth the pick. But the fact you're able to get him at 57 after getting Deontay Banks, and then getting Jalen Hyatt on top of it, I that was like a dream. Like, and and I think we all said the same thing the year before, too, in the first round when we ended up getting both Thibodeau and Evan Neal. Like that was our dream scenario. But this scenario playing out was much less likely than landing two guys inside the top seven picks that you wanted to be able to get Banks at 24 or 23, I think it was, after we traded, maybe whatever it was, at 24. I think we traded at one spot. And then be able to get JMS and then Jalen Hyatt on top. It's a slam dunk. And now you've got three core pieces on your offensive line. And if those guys work out, you you've got the makings of a good line for the next 10 years.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's you 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 have the pieces to get something done uh off that like offensive line-wise, like going forward. Like you you've got the like you yeah, have John McSmith's. Evan Neal, the expectation is to be really good. You get picked seventh overall. Yeah. the expectation is to be really good. And to honestly, anything less than that's disappointing. If he turns out to be just like a slightly above average tackle, will you take him? Will you give him a second contract? Yes, but it is a disappointment. It wasn't worth it. Um yeah. John Michael Smith, I I really am confident in him that he's gonna be a really good center. And then you've got, you know, Azudu. We'll we'll see what he turns in, Bradison. His health worries me because he gets injured so much, but he's still very young. He's only 24, you know, he's only at 24, 25 years old. And I thought he was their best interior offensive lineman last year when he did play. Um not saying much. Yeah, no, <laughs> definitely not saying much. It's, I'm hope, I'm hoping we don't have to give like those not saying much compliments as Giants fans going forward. Where it's like it's like last year when I would like to talk about like Tay Crowder or Jalen Smith, and I'm like, Tay Crowder to me is League starter for this team, and people are like Take Ryder's trash. I'm like, yeah, I know, but I'm not comparing saying them that. to Jalen Smith yeah. currently at this yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. And so, the, by wait. the way, there might be a there might not be a player I'm more excited about than Bobby Okereke. We didn't even get to him in the defense yet. Like, we finally have a frigging linebacker, Bobby.
0: That was my question. Who, What is your, what's your favorite move of the off season? Is it okay, I, okay? Listen,
1: people ask me on my channel, like two months leading into the off season, What do you think the giants are going to do in free agency? And I didn't say Bobby O'Kara. Okay, but I said linebacker because I looked at it like one, I don't think they're going to utilize. I don't think they're going to utilize a, a top pick on a linebacker. I don't think it's a position that Joe Shane's going to view as that. He wants to invest heavily on. I viewed the linebacking core in free agency as one of the stronger positional groups, and I, it was beyond a need. You could have argued it was our biggest need going into the offseason. You just said it. Tate Crowder was arguably our best linebacker last year. So I knew that they were going to address that, and I knew it was like 99% they were going to address it in free agency. Bobby O'Karrike, if I'm being honest, was not the guy that I had circled. He was not like one of my top two or three guys that I thought we would get. But after we got him, after I got a chance to, like, look at him and see how I feel he could fit this defense and his upside. You got to remember this guy's only 25. Um... And I think he could be a lot better in coverage than people think. I know that's like kind of like not been what is viewed as his strength, but his athleticism is off the charts when you watch his side to side quickness. I think he's a linebacker that you could do a lot of things with. And yeah, like Waller's obviously the sexy move and I'm super excited about it. Um, I'm really excited about Banks. JMS might be my favorite move, but I think the move that excites me the most is Bobby Okereke.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to see how he plays in this defense. Now, this defense asks a lot about his linebackers, but I'm excited. I think he's a cerebral. But he thinks he seems like a really smart dude, like who understands the game, you know, and, and played on a good like played on a good team that had good linebackers with Darius Leonard and um Zaire Franklin, you know, and, and went out and had a really good season last year on a team that wasn't very good. You know, a pretty damn bad team. So yeah, Okereke obviously was weak. When you saw the linebacker free agency market, when you looked at the linebacker draft class, and it just felt like we're getting a linebacker free agency. Had to, like, yeah. It was like day, it was like day one. I'm expecting us to get a linebacker, and then they did. Now they made us sweat us, made us sweat it out a little bit because usually, you know how it is. Like the first four hours of free agency, or, or you're like, well, what is this team doing? It's like even when this team has spent big, it hasn't been in the first four hours of free agency. Uh, like the Kenny Galladay and the Dora Jackson. Agency—that stuff didn't even happen three days later. You know, Blake Martinez. Like it usually happens around hour eight or nine when the Giants make their first big move, and that's. But the linebackers were starting to go off the board. It's like okay, yeah, we we got to get one of these guys. Let's let's not, you know, let's let's get out of here. One of these guys. So Kerry okay, Case okay, certainly. I mean, linebacker was their weak their weakest position last year. Like, but to me, but like I thought it was weak. I don't even think it's close.
1: I don't even think it's yeah. close. The and, first
0: the first four games of the season, you can argue when you're throwing David Sills out there as a starting wide receiver and Marcus Johnson. But once you got Hodgins uh and Flayton made his way back into the lineup, it was to me it was easily linebacker. It was the weakest position on the team.
1: But I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you, and I I I think again, I think that's the most excited I am. I'm gonna tell you, I think the most important upgrade for this team, especially when you look at throughout the division and the strengths of the teams from within it. I think the, and and they're under the radar moves like Nacho. And, and, and obviously uh, later in the process, we picked up what, why my why is the name escape me right now? We picked up uh, John Robinson. Yeah. Getting those two guys to add to the depth of this defensive line, I think is probably the most important, uh, including the wide receiving core, the most important improvement that this team had for the 2023 season. Because we were that bad against the run, we were that bad against the
0: run. Yeah, yeah. So it's now second linebacker still a very weak position. I was hoping you'd get out of the draft with somebody in the in that in there, and that's where losing some picks, you know, like they lost, you know, a fourth pick, round pick and a fifth round pick. That, that's where it's like you lose out on edge depth and a linebacker depth, but come away with Banks, Smiths, and and High. You can't be too angry about it, um, yeah. especially. How, that's something it's like. Hi, if John, if the Bears take John Michael Smith, Jalen Hyatt was picked with pick, pick fifty seven. We
1: and by the way, I didn't get to see your draft, your 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 draft reaction. I I saw your draft reaction after we took Schmitz. I didn't get to see the lead up. Your, I'm sure that you thought the same thing I did when the Bears traded up and jumped the Giants. Center was like their biggest need. I was like, there's, it's done. We're
0: not getting John Michael Smith. It's done. It's over. When well, they traded up in front of us and took the position we took in the first round, what are you doing, Chicago Bears?
1: Yeah, I didn't um, get it. I mean I'm happy and, they, and they took
0: a guy I who actually I mocked to the Giants in the second round of Tyreek Stevenson. I really like Tyreek, reminds me of James Bradbury. But yeah, like I was like, oh, they so then once they took Tyreek Stevenson, the panic went from the Bears taking him to like, okay, Giants, I know you guys like Jalen Hyatt. I know you want speed. Do not pass up John Michael Smiths. Do not like that was mine. <laughs> like, do not get cute and worry about. It. He's twenty four years old. Yeah. Do not pass yeah. up. On don't this get guy. cute here. Don't get cute. Yeah.
1: And the most interesting thing was because that was the thought process in my head too at that point. And it's the, it, and if you go back and watch my draft reaction video, it was my exact thought process. And none of the reporters asked it. And I was like, I wish some, one of them did. Was your pick at at uh, at what? Where were we at fifty seven? Where were, I don't even remember. Yeah. What the pick was. was your pick at fifty seven between Hyatt? And and John Michael Smiths. Nobody asked that. And then when you got a chance to watch the draft recap, that's, in fact, what it was. You saw them going back and forth where Brian Dable was talking to Shane and he said, well, we're going to get one or the other. We're going to either get hired or we're going to get John Michael Smiths." So they got a guy that they would have been completely comfortable. And it makes sense because then they traded up like 20 spots to go up and get him in the third round. But they got a guy that would have been completely happy with taking a 57 later in the third round.
0: And I've said this phrase a million times. They got three players who were mocked to them at pick 25. And Sing. Banks, Smiths, and uh, Hyatt. Now, if Hyatt was picking pick, if if Smiths was picked at pick 25 – I wouldn't be outraged, but I'd be a little disappointed. Even though I love John Michael Smith, I'm like, I just thought there'd been better. Players I think you, on the board. I, Bobby.
1: I think you would have been like me. I think you would have been disappointed for like a day or two, and then you have been like, hell yeah, <laughs> we and got then, a center.
0: If Hyde was taken at 25, I would have been outraged.
1: I wouldn't have been happy with Hyde at 25. I agree with that. But
0: but yeah. at pick 73, it's like okay, it's it's so funny how where a guy's pick totally changes the conversation. Because like when we talked about Hyde on our wide receiver preview, we were talking about him in the context of like people are putting him in the first round, and. I just don't see it, and then it's like, then you pick him at seventy three. It's like, okay, let's freaking go. Yeah, it's like, yeah.
1: He's to me, he's a better version of Darius Slayton.
0: Like he's, I agree. Where like as fast as he is, he's not a yak guy as far as like making guys miss or anything. Um, and no, he has great hands, right? Like that's that's one which is what what makes him better than Darius Slayton. Yeah, and I think (laughs) he is faster than Slayton. Yeah, um, not by a wide margin, but I do think he's faster, and I think he can grow into a better route runner than Slayton is. So, like, I, yeah, I, my my expectations for Hyatt, despite being a third round pick, is to be better than Darius Slayton. Yeah, who I know we we like to trash on Darius. Slayton no, he's a good. He was good for stuff, us last but, year.
1: He was good. But if, if yeah, I
0: mean, Darius Slayton is the best day three pick we had for five years, five yeah. six years. Um, you yeah, know, obviously we had some pretty damn bad day threes for a while. Um, and I, I mean i was really excited about day three in this draft eric gray to me i think could be a starting back i in the love NFL. the
1: eric gray pick i love the eric gray
0: pick trey hawkins man that guy even like i don't have expectations like real expectations for him but a guy who's that size and can move like that in the sixth round is something and freaking he's beautiful. physical and owens yeah Javarius owens i think he could come in and compete to play this season i really do despite being a seventh round pick and we've seen the bills with joe shane hit on guys in the safeties like Damar Hamlin was like a late 6, maybe even a 7th round pick for for the Bills. Um and he was starting by year 2. Um you know, obviously he's more famous for the the you know the the health thing, but it's like he was a starting player for them. And I think Javarius Owens has similar ability.
1: Yeah, and I think those guys if nothing else are going to be big time contributors in special teams. And, yeah, and I know that's like something we don't like to talk about cuz it's not fun, but the special teams last year for the Giants was awful. And this year I think it's gonna be that is probably gonna be the biggest improvement in terms of a positional group. I think our special teams are gonna be much better. Um, because now you're last year with all the injuries that we had and just the depleted roster in terms of talent, you were basically asking special teams players to start. Now you're gonna ask special teams players to play special teams. So I think it's gonna be a trickle down effect. I think the whole roster is gonna benefit um from all the, you know, to the improvements to the starting offense and defense.
0: Um and we had one of the most well respected special teams coordinators in the NFL. He's so well respected. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's like a stupid joke on this show. It's like all <laughs> the V reporters tweet about how well respected Thomas McGee yeah. is. It's like yeah, it's which he's I don't nice understand.
1: Which I don't understand. No, well, I don't disc- understand
0: it. He's just very nice to them.
1: Yeah, no disrespect to him. Like, I'm sure he's a pretty good coach. Like they they decided to keep him to begin with, but yeah, I agree with you. Like the, the results have not been there yeah, since I Stewart don't George evaluate special
0: teams. Like yeah, like he could be the best or the worst in the in the league. I, I have no idea the difference, but I do know that like, hey, our special teams haven't been an advantage. So I'm really starting to get annoyed with talking about how well respected this guy is.
1: Yeah, um, yeah.
0: And they'll say well respected within the building. It's like that doesn't mean shit to me how well respected he is. Um, are you going to be able to make it to any of the training camp practices or Fan Fest or anything this year?
1: They fall on the weekend, right? They, I know most of them are during the week, but there's a few that are on the weekend, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah I'll definitely make it a point to go to the the fan fest I'm pretty sure is on the
0: weekend if I'm not mistaken maybe fan It's not. is usually on a weekday it was uh, Thursday and then Friday of last year
1: maybe I'll be I don't want to guarantee I'll be able to make that but I'll definitely be able to make the training camps and I'll try to make the fan fest I mean it's at night so I should be able to if maybe not tailgate that one before but I should be able to make an appearance
0: but I'll definitely at least go to one or two training camps okay cool um I want to talk to you about that towards the end of the show now that it's like we we got our 40 minutes of just Giants football field. Now we can talk better. I
1: could talk about Giants football with you for another 40 minutes. if you. I want. I know. To. I know we
0: go all day. Um, <laughs> so how much, what is your new job? What's the address? How much are you making before taxes? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and yeah, no. So, I mean, if you want to, like did what kind of made you, cause I know I won't go into details, but I know you, you made enough on money on YouTube to like, yeah, I,
1: I, I, I'm I'm gonna be completely raw and honest with you, Bobby. I um, and I still love doing what I'm doing on YouTube. Um, but I wanted the 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 last year with um with Joe Judge to me, it, I wasn't having fun anymore. If I'm being honest, I just was not having fun. Um, not to say I didn't have fun talking about the team. I enjoy, I always love talking about the team. I'm going to continue to love talking about the team, but that year just took so much out of me as a content creator. And just a fan is in general of just the animosity of the fan base and people that would come into my live streams. And I said to myself, you know what? I need to start. I want to start getting a more, I, I want to look for a job outside of YouTube. So I don't need to depend on this as my only source of income. So I, I got a government job. I'm not going to get into specifics, but it's 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 kind of a yeah, lower yeah. A lower level entry level government job that I'm going to try to work my way up, and you know, you know, you, get a high, a you're, yeah. you know, hopefully to work your way up to you're,
0: yeah, killing killing people, and you know, I just <laughs> it's not that kind of government job. It's much more planning boring. conspiracies. No, um, yeah. <laughs> no, is, has it been refreshing? Like when you because I, I get like now I have the luxury of. Depend. No matter what the Giants are doing, my salary is the same from John Boy Media. But I'm yeah. sure, like, like it I mean, had nothing to do it. with money.
1: I could have went. I could have kept going on and making just as going live all the time. And 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 it, it had to do with happiness, to be honest. I agree. With you. I and I, I, and, if- and um, it, it uh, yeah, it, it never feel. I'm not gonna get into too much specifics. I talk about you more off camera, but I, I got to a point where it, it got toxic, where it was like. Having to deal with this as my only source of income, as my full time job, my only job at the time, I, it, it was making me enjoy it less. And I said to myself, if I scale back and don't have to force content and don't have to, you know, feel the need to go live whenever and just do it because I genuinely enjoy doing it, which is why I started doing this in the first place, I'm going to enjoy it a lot more and I'm going to produce, you know, better content. I'm going to produce less content because I'm not going to force it. Um, like I see a lot of other people not you guys but I'm just saying I, I didn't I, I felt like I was getting into that trap of just going live and making content to make content and that's never what I intended to do so I said let me go and get a job so I don't have to feel the pressures of you know having to just make content to make content
0: yeah and it's kind of like it's just kind of a weird existence making content not well not- weird is maybe the wrong word but it's just kind of different where it's like you are like we're talking about the team we love like stuff yeah. we would do anyways but it's like, like it every job becomes a job no matter if it's your dream job or not right yeah yeah um and now we like we find little things that are exciting about do it but hey if we were like you on our own not backed by a company we would have to make a video talking about deandre hopkins like even if we're saying full no we got to at least address it because like you, yeah. it's stupid to avoid See, that type I, of I, stuff. i'm gonna be honest with you bobby
1: i'm i'm, I'm... I remember having this conversation with you when you and I'm not going to get into specifics, but I remember having this conversation with you on whether or not it was a better idea to do work under a bigger company like you do with John Boy or to do it on your own. And at the time, I was of the mindset of I'd rather do it on my own. In now, in reality, I think I'd rather do it the way that you guys have done it. I think I'd rather I mean, I'd like to start my own company. It has I'd its pros
0: it. and cons, right? Like you got to yeah. answer to somebody if you do something stupid. Exactly. You gotta But
1: at the same time, you could do, you could produce content when you feel like it and you could and you don't like you said you don't have to make these stupid rumor videos that you see you know it's like uh, in a way i think you took the better approach
0: yeah it, and again there's pros and cons there is like like i and like hey it's something that now that we've kind of found a flow of it and now we're five years of 10, talking giants from so like what am i gonna do in 10 15 years am i gonna be working for john like i love working for john boy but you am I gonna your be own company for, at that point am i you gonna be paid. doing it might you know maybe like you know, there's, there's business within my family. Maybe i will you know, take on that when my dad goes or or retires mm-hmm. or something and then just do this on the side. Like, am I, am I going to be d- doing this forever? Even though it's like, it's a dream job. So you'd want to do it forever. But like, where, where does it end? Like, does it end with doing talking giants and John boy media football? So it's a, it's kind of like a, so the talking giants to me is very fulfilling. Like I, I feel yeah. great about it now that we're trying to tackle JM football. I'm like, man, this is a lot. And I'm like, got so much on my plate and we're trying to get them to bring on, I guess, you know what? The company's talked about it. The company laid off some people and they're not hiring anybody right, right oh, now. Really? Not, they didn't lay off any content people, but it's like, now we're like, we're got like, I'm on my plate. I'm like, Hey, you guys tasked us with John Boy Media football. It cannot be done without someone focusing on just football content. It cannot, I cannot do talking giants and then just solo do John Boy Media football and have it be good and have it have growth besides during the draft because there's crossover but even then so i'm like we need to hire someone but like well, we're not hiring anybody right now um so it's uh it's like i'm stressed about that even though it's like talking giants is super successful it's one of the you know more successful things in the company um and on the path to i think being pretty profitable um but so yeah i just wanted to kind of get your head on it because i get it like i feel yeah. like when when people are like where are entertaining go i was like oh yeah it makes makes total sense like this no, listen, I'm I'm not going out. away. I'm not going away. But Bobby, the way
1: I look at it is I, I want to make it more of a second job and I want to have a life off of YouTube. That's yeah. that's what it got to the point. You know, I'm an older guy, I'm 37, and I got to a point where I was like, you know, I'm I'm thinking longer term. I'm like, eh, I mean, I eventually, hopefully, very soon, I want to, I, I, I'm trying to get more established in my career, but I want to be able to start a family and kids. I want to be able to get a house. And for me to, you know, to have to dedicate all my time to YouTube, and um, I, I I thought this was the better approach. Even and I'm it's not that I'm giving up on my dreams. I'm still doing what I love to do. I'm still talking Giants. I'm not giving it up, but at the same time, I'm scaling back a little bit.
0: Yeah, and and like in sea, like so like, and we'll finish off with this, where it's like when I took it at a long term, and I'm glad we could talk about this. And people kind of get a look into our heads. like, if there isn't an, an event like a family event in season. It stresses me the fuck out because I'm yeah. like, I've got three shows we got to do. got to watch the games, got to watch the film, do the film review, do the offensive line report. And it's like, if less, unless this event is on Friday night or Saturday, like it's going to throw my whole week off. Whether, even yeah. just like a Tuesday dinner. And it's like, am I going to be is every September to January going to be like that for the rest of my life? You know, like, can I not make a plan in April? ever again because of the NFL draft. Yeah, um, it's true. It's true. So it's, it's, it's cool to get a, a look into your head and, and kind of let people see like, this is like, yeah, this is this is all still, fun. I still love
1: whoever's watching this. And I know uh, we have a lot of the same subscribers and we work in the same community. I still love each and every one of you guys. I'm not going away. I, I appreciate all the support you guys always show. Uh, when I watch my videos, I just, you know, I, yeah. I, I, I think I've just gotten to a point where I know, or at least I hope and I think, I have a um, a dedicated fan base that people that love to hang out with me and talk about the team that we all love. And I don't feel I I feel like I've reached a point I guess in my YouTube or content creation level, if if that is a the proper terminology to use, where I don't need to force content, uh, where you guys respect me enough to be like, listen, when Chris is ready to talk about the team, I'm still going to support him.
0: Yeah, finding that happy medium. Happy, happy you were able to. To do that, even though you're going to be doing huge government conspiracies and stuff five years from now. I can tell you uh, after the uh, stream
1: who killed JFK.
0: We'll get to that. Yeah, yeah that, that's going to be released. And maybe you can help us when we try and run for president in 2024 again. <laughs> so I made a tweet. You might win. I mean, you've seen some of the guys that are going for you. You guys stand a chance. Well, I I made a tweet saying I'm seriously considering voting for Dale Earnhardt in 2024. I seriously am. <laughs> and someone replied, like, what's your politics? Which is like...
1: Well, you you live in the in the heart of uh, not to get into politics, but where uh, DeSantis you 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 live where he's from, so you know all about him. I'm not the biggest fan of him, and obviously Biden's not the most popular president. So, so uh, if you want
0: to know who I vote for, though, just go to my Instagram. I posted who I voted for. It's a great plug for my Instagram, and it it can either make you it can't make one of the sides angry, but it can make both the sides angry or understanding. Did
1: I you voted vote for, for myself? And Hart- no, I voted for yeah. myself.
0: Oh, voted voted for- for- <laughs> like everyone says, they hate both the options. But then it's like, well, don't pick them. Um, yeah. Also, I'm like, you know what? I I don't care. Like this country's screwed anyways. You'd like they these both these people. So- I right, I can't believe we put this in. Maybe cut this out, Justin. <laughs> um. Basically, what I'm saying is like our politics are broken, and yes, Chris is going to fix been, them. They've
1: been broken since we've been alive, Bobby.
0: And Chris is going to fix them, even if he has to cover up a few. National conspiracies. All right, Chris, we appreciate you. All right, we don't have any ads, so I, I can just end this. We appreciate you guys. We'll be back on Friday. It'll be me and Justin. I'll be back home. Justin will be back home too. Both both on the road right now. I was going
1: to say, where are you?
0: Because that's not your normal setup. Spain. I'm visiting Spain. It's
1: you're it's in
0: really, Spain. I may just stay here. I love it here. um You're in Spain. Yeah, I'm going to be like you know uh, Michael Scott when he comes back from the Bahamas. Or no, he came back from Jamaica, and I'm just gonna be like, well, in Spain, this is how we do it. Um, and we take naps at three o'clock. Uh, that's
1: awesome. Man. I've been to Spain once. I, I loved it, but I I only went there for a cruise, so I spent like two or three days there. But that's awesome.
0: Yeah, it's really nice. I went to Portugal too, and there we just just Portuguese. Um, you just say everything with. Shh, that's how they do it here. Um, no. All right, we appreciate you guys. We'll be back on Friday. <laughs> basically talk we talk politics and then i may i annoyed every single per- listener from portugal uh we'll see you guys friday until then let's go big blue